Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, we've been journeying through the book of Genesis, and as we've been journeying through that book, we've seen a lot of different faces and names and personalities But one of the people that we're coming to now is a gentleman named Joseph, and we'll be centering on his life this week and next week, and then we'll end the book of Genesis. There is something very important that we need to get from the very long, windy journey of Joseph's life. Joseph goes through a lot of trauma and a lot of drama. And you have to wait a few chapters in order to see how the story ends. It's so good that we can see the full story of Joseph's life. But I'm sure if we were to interview Joseph in the middle of the story, he would say, where is God? In fact, in Genesis 37, there is no mention of God. No mention of him intervening. No mention of him working. And yet, God was at work. You know, there's two people in this room. There are people in this room that have been through all types of trauma. If we sat down and we started to talk about all the things you've been through, we would both be heartbroken about some of the trials and tribulations you've been through. You've been through drama. There have been people who have gossip about you, slandered about you, all types of things. Trauma and drama. But yet, in the midst of these two people, One person believes God's not doing enough and I'm waiting for him to work. I'm waiting for the right friends, the right family, the right relationships, the right opportunity. I'm waiting for God to work. But there's a whole nother person who looks at the trauma, who looks at the drama and says he was working through it all. They don't, they're not waiting for God to work. They believe God's working. They believe God's working right now through trial through pain, through hurt, through drama. God is at work. So you're either waiting for him to work or you believe he's working. And in the story of Joseph, we see a life of drama and trauma, and yet God is at work the whole time. Joseph oftentimes gets pictured as a very innocent young man. I'm here to tell you that he is not. Look here in Genesis Chapter 37, verse 3. Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. The scripture reads, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. When you read that name Israel, read that as uh, Jacob, rather. And so Jacob, uh, Joseph's father, is there, and look at this. The scripture just tells us his business. He loved his sons more, his son more than the other ones. Made him a robe, ornate, meaning very wealthy robe. Some of you have seen the coat of many colors. Made that in such a way to make his son stand out. Now, why does the Bible say 
that Jacob loved his son more. Well, Jacob himself came out of a traumatic situation. If you remember the story of Jacob, Jacob had a twin brother. His name was Esau. And his daddy, Isaac, loved and had more affection, favored Esau more than him. So he grew up in a home trying to get the affection of his father. The Bible says he even stole a blessing, manipulated the situation just so he could get the blessing of his father. Jacob lives in a world where he has this emotional wound of wanting to feel loved. The Bible says he goes on in his life and he would eventually meet a woman named Rachel. And oftentimes when you come out of a home situation where you felt underloved, you then center your love on someone and say, you are going to be the emotional center of my life. If I have you, everything will be all right. You will not see I came from an incomplete house, but you're going to complete me. Oh, yeah. When I meet you, girl, you are going to be everything my family wasn't. So Rachel, he ends up being with Rachel. And he and Rachel have children. Rachel dies, though, having Benjamin. So now he's got this son, Joseph. And Joseph would now become the emotional center of his life. No more Rachel. Now all I've got is Joseph. So he came from a broken home under love. No longer is married, feeling under love. So now because he's under love, he needs his children to make him feel complete. So this one child, Joseph, I'm going to pour all my love in to you. Joseph comes from a home where he had affection, but this affection turned him into something. Genesis 37 and 2, the verse right before it says, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, if any of you all are a part of our Wednesday night Bible study, here's something really important to point out. When you read this verse and it says bad report, you tend to look at it and say, oh, he just gave a report that was bad because they were doing bad things. But the word here in Hebrew, bad, doesn't mean bad like I'm reporting good or bad. It means slander. It's the kind of report, not bad like you were doing bad, meaning bad report like I make you look worse than what you really are. This is a false report. This is a lie. Joseph put his brothers in a situation where he didn't tell on them he made things up. Y'all know the difference, right? <laughs> you know, that they, they made about to be a tattletale. No, he ain't, he's telling a wrong story. And what's happening in Joseph is he's learning I can do anything to get the affection of my father, even make up stories. He's gotten connected. He feels powerful when his father pours love and affection on him. So what ends up happening is Joseph ends up getting a blind spot. Did you know all God's children have blind spots? Did you know you have a blind spot? Now, do you know what a blind spot is? Let me explain it to you. A blind spot 
is not something that you don't see in you. A blind spot is something you don't see in you and we all see in you. I'm not really this way. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yeah. A blind spot is when you have a space in your emotional, social, spiritual life that is a gaping hole that you don't normally see, but other people easily see. And so we, we see this here in Joseph. Joseph has this dream. Isn't that nice? He has a dream. But the Bible says in Genesis 37, Joseph had a dream, and when he, when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, how does that sound? He tells the story, and they didn't say, oh, what a great dream. They said, I hate this brother. Now, why does that happen? He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now, this dream has personal exaltation with no redemptive quality. They don't, it doesn't say something about the future and Israel and Egypt. He doesn't know all that. But all they know is their little brother is telling a story about him being above them. Now, when you tell a story and people end up hating you after you tell that story, what do you do? What, people that are somewhat self-aware, what do you do? You don't, maybe don't tell the story again. Maybe you say, this is not a good place to tell my dreams, right? <laughs> then he dreamed another dream. What's he do? Told it to his brothers again. And said, behold, I've dreamed another dream. Now, notice you don't hear any communication. Oh, praise God. <laughs> thought I was about to rescue someone's guitar. He says, behold, I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars are bowing down to me. Again, another dream with personal exaltation, with no redemptive quality. So basically, like, you think you're going to be a big deal. You see us bowing down to you. And so finally... The Bible says in verse 10, when he told this to his father and to his brother, so the second time he makes a dream, he sees a dream, it's seemingly his father's and brother's in this room, but it's in the room, but his father is the one that responds. His father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? He rebukes him, and he rebukes him because he comes to the conclusion that his son isn't seeing it. He told this story a second time, and the second time in telling that story, he does not understand that he's becoming more hated. Joseph is pathologically insensitive to other people. Joseph is what we call arrogant. The psychologists like to call him a spoiled brat. That's what he is. Because whenever you feel like I've got to keep shoving my dream down the throat of other people, and, and but, but the people don't feel like I'm a good brother. Some of you are big dreamers, but bad brothers. You're a big dreamer, but you're not a good sister. Big dreamer, not a good husband. Big dreamer, not a good wife. You see, he was not able to gain affection in his home because 
the people felt like he was more connected to the dream than the people he was around. Joseph is a spoiled brat, more connected. Now, you have to understand, too, the <clears throat> why are they so offended? They are offended because sociologically at this time, the social structure, the younger would always bow to the older. The child would always bow to the parent. The parent would never bow down to a child. The older kids would never bow down to the younger. So they are offended because he's broken all the social strata and hierarchy. What makes you think that you'll be better than us? So Joseph has this problem. He has a great dream, but he has horrible social skills. One of the things that you have to see about Joseph that might be in you too, the Bible says in Genesis 37.3, look, Israel loved Joseph more than his other brothers, right? But in verse 4, it says the brothers hated him. Verse 5, it says they hated him even more. Verse 8, it says they hated him even more. But he's okay with that because he's got the love of his father. Joseph has learned to kiss up but push down. Do you know people like that? Opportunists? See, if, you, if they don't think they can get something from you, they treat you like you're lesser. But, but if you can give me something, if I can use you in some way, I'll kiss up to you all day. You see, Joseph is nothing more than an opportunist with a big dream. And saying some of you have wild gifts. Some of you are incredibly designed to do great things. The problem is... You're opportunists. How do you treat people that can give nothing to you? That can't increase your social dynamic, your financial dynamic, your resume. How do you treat the people that don't seem like they will increase your resume? That actually tells the real story of your character. That tells the real story if you're a real person or just a person of the stage, person of resume, person that likes to be seen, driven to be around people of influence, driven to be around people that will increase your name, you should put somewhat of a litmus test on yourself this week and ask yourself, am I the same around bosses and leaders that I am around my peers? Because that tells a story of deep character. Here, all of us have a challenge that Joseph has. You see, we might not all be kiss-ups, but we all have a blind spot. And a relevant question is, what is your blind spot? Somehow, some way, you were in a home and you walked out of that home with a blind spot. Amen. Uh, y'all all came from different family structures and family situations, and y'all all had imperfections there, all of you. And some of you have decided, I'm not going to be anything like my parents. I'd like to introduce you to something. You didn't get away. There was no protective gear in that home. Uh, one author says, Jesus might be in your heart, but your grandfather's in your bones. Essentially, what he's saying is, 
You're like, I can't stand those habits. Those habits are in you. Now, you watch this. Watch this. Watch this. One of the worst things I have to do is help people see their blind spot right before they get married. What a horrible time. I mean, good Lord. I'm like, well, you about to hear about it if you didn't hear about it before. Humility causes a curiosity about you. Humility would say, I did not get off scot-free from my home. The anger I saw, the lying that I saw, the drama that I saw, the trauma that I saw, it did not just happen to me. It shaped me some. And if you can be honest with yourself about that, you will live with a small... See, we all got blind spots, but some of us got like Mac 10 trucks blind spots <laughs> where it's just like, this brother has no clue. And some of us have smaller blind spots because if you drive, I know many of you don't drive, praise God, but just work with the analogy. If you drive and you know you have a blind spot, what you do is you always, you always, you're always turning, you always turn because you're aware that's a blind spot. But some of you never turn. Some of you never look. You're driving down the road. And what happens when you don't know you have a blind spot? You cause accidents. One of the greatest things you can do is become more of a self-aware believer. Be, be, be curious about you. Because if you aren't curious about you, other people now have to help you see you. And the worst place to do that is in the most, is in marriage. When it's like, surprise, you, you talk too much, surprise. You know? <laughs> And nobody told my mama, I know your mama never told you this, but guess what? I'm tired of listening. <laughs> our church is, our church, our, our church as a whole is very young, and many of you are single. Learn now. Be curious now. And don't be like Jacob waiting for a spouse to complete them. Because look what happened when the spouse left. That that Brokenness was still there, and they poured it into their children. Marriage doesn't save you from loneliness. You could be in a marriage and a house full of kids and be lonely. See, I got to go. It's 15 minutes. But, 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 but there's so much. There's so much you need to learn about you. If you're not curious about yourself, you're dangerous. If you're not curious about yourself, if you don't want to learn more about you, you're a dangerous person because you feel like you're fully formed. The only fully formed person ever on this planet was Jesus Christ. He was fully formed in purity and power. We've got a long way to go. And if you know that, you will be curious about you. You will ask people questions about you. You will learn about you. But if you are not, you'll be a proud, arrogant person who produces proud, arrogant people. Well, in this story of this world that Joseph has, something violent happens to him. The Bible says that he goes through this traumatic situation. Verse 23, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. And they took him and threw him into a pit. And the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. The, the scripture says that 
Joseph saw that his brothers were going out into the field, and so he went to follow them and couldn't find them. And he sees a stranger, and the stranger ends up telling him, your brother's over here, and then he ends up finding them. And while he's far off, the brothers decide, you know what? We're tired of Joseph. So they conspire to kill him. His one brother ends up debating them on whether they should kill him. But they conclude they will strip him and place him in a pit. The, the word here in Hebrew for strip is the kind of word you would use when you talk about skinning an animal. This was violent. They didn't just push him in. They took his clothes. And Matt, get, see the scene of a young 17-year-old boy being taken by his brothers by surprise and being stripped of his robe and then violently thrown into a pit. The Bible says that they ended up selling him as a caravan came by. And the scripture later says in chapter 42, which Pastor Rasul will preach on later, the scripture will end up saying that the brothers would end up talking about the situation that happened when they stripped him and threw him in a pit. And this is what it says in, in chapter 42. It says, they were talking to one another and they says, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother and that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. You see, the story doesn't tell us about the, the cries of begging that Joseph had. Can you imagine that? Screaming in that pit? Crying out in that pit, yelling the names of his brothers. Why did you do this to me? What did I do? How could you do this? The pain and the trauma of being rejected by the people that were supposed to love you. The people that I remember he was going out into the field just to see his brothers. And yet his brothers would be the ones that would not only reject him, but throw him in the pit. Joseph is stripped. Joseph is thrown into a pit. Joseph is sold into slavery. Now, the Bible says that this all works out. But Joseph was an involuntary savior. He would end up being the one placed into the governorship of Egypt and he would save his people. But the scripture gives us this picture of him being stripped and beaten, of him being thrown in a pit. Where is God? Don't you think this would be a good time to intervene? Maybe when they were stripping him and he was crying out to his brothers. Don't you think it would be a good time to intervene when he's thrown in this pit or when they're conspiring? Where is God? And if you look in the chapter 37, one thing is for sure. God never speaks. He never intervenes. Now, why doesn't God intervene in the midst of this very intense moment? Well, if I was God, I would. I would, I'd intervene. I'd jump in. I'd get him out that pit. 
But the Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. And one of the things that you can count on happening in this story is God somehow is going to use this story to build his character. Unfortunately, God has to use trial and trauma in order to build our character. I would like to just be told. I would just, don't do that again. Got it, got it. I'm a spoiled brat. Absolutely. Some things you can't be told about you. Some things you got to be shown about yourself. Some things you can't just hear about it and read about it. You got to go through it. And the story of Joseph tells us and teaches us that God builds character through trial. That means that while I'm in a trial, God's working. And he's working on me. Now, the Joseph, the the redeeming Joseph in the end, so humble, so kind, so caring. This kid, arrogant, spoiled brat. What happened? Trial. Pain. I'd like it to be another way. I would love it to be like the remember show that show Touched by an Angel where the angel comes in. <laughs> Joseph, you are spoiled. You shall now spoileth not. And he's like, yes. And everything changes. That's what I want. So, so see, because if you believe God is working, you will walk into trial, not just lamenting, but learning. Wow. Learning about you. Learning about God learning about his story. And here's what you have to hear me say. God has given you a unique story. If you look at another man's story, another woman's story, you will compare, you will complain, you will be distressed, and you will be depressed. You have to be okay with your own unique story that God is weaving in this world. You know, the Bible says that he's in this area, Dothan, He's in a pit crying out, God does nothing. In this same area, there was a man named Elijah who was being attacked. Elijah cries out, chariots come and rescue him. In one story, he's in a pit. In another story, he cries out, Elijah gets chariots. The Bible says that Peter goes into prison And everybody prays, an angel comes, the prison door is opened. The Bible says John the Baptist gets put into prison, the disciples pray, and he gets beheaded. How about this? God was caring just as much for Joseph that he was for Elijah. He was caring just as much for John that he was caring for Peter. And what you have to say, know is that God's wise, redeeming love for you is compatible with terrible disappointments and terrible things that have happened to you. God's wise, redeeming love for you is compatible with terrible disappointments and terrible things that have happened to you. What you must be aware of is that God is working differently he is how do you say creative and then listen there'll be people who work less than you and get more than you (laughs) 
Yep. Yep. There will be people who you go, Lord, I am going to tell the truth. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to be like all these other people. And you're going to be honest, and they're going to look down on you, and the liar gets exalted. And you'll be like, well, how does this work, God? Because I (laughs) think about lying. You see, if you're only using holiness for advantage, you'll never want holiness. Because holiness will get you put in a prison. It'll get you put in a prison. Joseph was 17 when he got sold into slavery. He, he was 30 when he was second in command. It's a long time. That's a long time to trust. That's a long time to care and to believe and to trust. But somehow the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. And I believe that the Lord is with you. And the scripture tells us that we must know that God is working. Because when you don't think someone is working and they actually have a role to do, you know one of the things my wife loves? Good customer service. Man, oh man. Man, one of the things that I can guarantee that is if my wife is in some place and the person's like, yes, ma'am. When we get in the car, she'll be like, he was so good. He was so good. He was just so good. I'll just give, babe, babe, give him an extra, extra, extra. But on the other side of that, when the customer service is not up to par, my Lord. The the thing is, is that when someone has a role to do and they're not able to do it, we call that incompetence. When you've got a job to do and you don't do it right. And if you're sitting there in your whole life saying, where are you? Are you the God of peace? Where is it? Are you the God that provides? Don't see provision. Now, I love you, but more, you feel incompetent. Are you an incompetent God? And yet, there's a whole nother person who even though God is silent, they don't believe God's silence means it's his absence. They fundamentally believe that God is working by, you gotta know God's working. There's something he's changing in you. A story he's weaving from you. And who knows what you'll be in 13 years. But God is working. And you've got to trust him for the work he's doing. And so hear the twinge in Romans 8. The promise begins like this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And we know. You must know. You must believe. And you must trust. That when God is deeply silent, he's still working. The hidden plan of God one day got revealed. Joseph ended up stripped 
sold, placed in a pit. But thousands of years later, there was a man named Jesus. And he would be stripped. And he would be sold. And he wasn't placed in a pit, but he was placed on a cross. And even in the middle of the story, he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And yet the Bible also tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He cries out in pain and in doubt, and yet still deeply believe God is going to work it out. Those two emotions within us, we have to be honest with ourselves that we feel deep doubts, deep confusion, deep pain, but we are trusting and believing that in the end, this story will be for God's glory and his plan. Father, we love you. We can do nothing without you. Jesus, in your own time and in your own way, we ask that we would trust your story for our lives. God, make us curious about ourselves. Make us curious about you. Remind us of you doing a work in us. And Holy Spirit, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. That when everything is silent, that when I've cried out and not seen anything, I would still believe my God is working. Working a story out for my character and your glory. In Christ's name. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.